1: I'm Jason Bellamy. September 8th is World Physical Therapy Day, an opportunity for physical therapists all over the world to raise awareness about the power of physical therapy to keep people fit, active, and independent across the lifespan. To celebrate this annual event, we're airing two episodes profiling physical therapists and students of physical therapy who have volunteered their services overseas to provide much-needed care in impoverished countries. Our first episode focused on the annual efforts of physical therapy students from Arcadia University in Jamaica. In the second episode, physical therapist Afosa Gubadia and physical therapy student Stephanie Irwin recount their experiences volunteering in Central America, where people will come from far and wide for medical attention at these satellite village clinics. Due to the demand, time with patients is often brief, but as we hear in this interview, the impact can still be profound, both on the patients and their caregivers. As always, information from our guests is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. With that, here's our interview with Afosa Gubadia and Stephanie Irwin. Afosa, I want to start with you. Give me a sense, first of all, what's your day-to-day practice is like? So, physical therapist here in the United States, what's your treatment scenario like day-to-day seeing patients?
2: Well, I'm a physical therapist in Chicago, and uh, I treat in an outpatient orthopedic setting. So, I treat anywhere from a person who had a post-op who just had a surgery, whether it's an ACL reconstruction or hip replacement, We sometimes treat patients pre-op to get them ready for the surgery and to get their muscles strong. And then uh, probably a majority of my patients is non-op. So they don't have surgery, but they have a pain, injury, or some sort of dysfunction. And we treat people from all ages, from the adolescent, not too young, but the adolescent from 10 to teens uh, to people in the geriatric population
1: and everybody in between. So that's what the day looks like. So I want to talk to you later about how you got involved with these mission trips, but let's jump right now to when you do go on these trips and you go into some of these countries and you're treating somebody there, how different is the treatment in these other countries compared to what you do day to day
2: the setting is very different. Just first setting, uh, when you're down there, you could either be in a hospital. The physicians are mainly in a hospital, or you could be in a rehab setting where uh, you do rehab and treatment and things of that nature, or you could do clinic in a village where you actually go to different villages, satellite villages, and set up in a community center or a church. And it sometimes looks like a flea market because it's not only you. You have physicians in one part of the community center or the church. You have nurses, you have BTs, you have eye doctors, and patients are waiting for sometimes hours at a time to see you or to see you in some else, sort they're making their stops.
1: And how many people most are waiting in line at that point? Sometimes hundreds, sometimes
2: hundreds, and for the most part, we only get a chance to see the patients for 20 minutes or 25 minutes at a time, as opposed to the states, where uh, we usually extend that time more to 45 minutes, 60 minutes, or 60 minutes plus, so the timing of treatment is also different.
1: And when you see somebody, do you necessarily know before they tell you what's wrong with them, what's wrong with them?
2: No, that's why I sometimes joke around going on these mission trips could be like the wild, wild west. You just have to be open-minded, ready to see anything, and uh, expect to see almost everything. So there's two challenges, but I'll also say two fun parts to the mission trips is the language barrier. I've been to a lot of the Spanish-speaking countries, and let's just say my Spanish isn't proven or is progressing. So you have that barrier. You sometimes have translators, but you sometimes don't. So you work with that. But more importantly, like I said, you only get about 30, 35 minutes, give or take, with a patient. So you have to maximize and realize, I may only see this person once if I'm lucky twice this week or this two-week stretch. What is most important? What can I do in this 35-minute stretch to have an impact and effect, whether it's some mobilization techniques to improve their joints, whether it's teaching them an exercise, that you know it's going to help them in exercise or stretch, whether it's giving them a postural cue that you really try to emphasize that if you're working like this or if you're sitting like this, this is going to alleviate and minimize stressors on your body. So you're trying to maximize your time with the patient.
1: What inspired you to take these trips in the first place?
2: That's certainly an interesting question. The why, so to speak, I think is what you're going for. The why is pretty layered, and I I would even say it's still forming. First off, simply stated, it feels right. You know, it just, it just makes sense and it feels right. I, I sometimes think of a quote that Paul Newman had. I try to be like the old farmer and put back more into the earth than I take out. And that's just a nice baseline thing that is sometimes in the back of my head. There's a few other things upbringing from my parents. They really talk about those two rhyming words of sharing and caring. The, the last two things I'll share to explain my why is uh, I went to school at the University of Scranton, and they talk a whole lot. About being men and women for others. And a lot of the leaders on the campus are priests and fathers. And I met one of my last weeks of school at the University of Scranton. Right before I was graduated, I wanted to talk with a guy. His name was Father Tim Cadigan. And after doing three years of PT school and I, I was even still asking him and myself, is this what I'm supposed to do and how am I supposed to do it and when and where? And I had questions still, even after a couple of years of schooling. And Father Cadigan, who himself had a medical background, he was actually reassuring me. He was just saying, PT is a healing profession, is a treating profession, is you'll get a chance to do things in, in a very special way. But the part that sticks with me towards the end of our conversation, there was a painting in Father Cadigan's room the paintings of mountains and valleys and he, he looks at me he says "Ephosa, look there you see that mountain you see that valley climb that mountain search that valley go there and every time i go on one of these trips if i'm being honest i think i'm climbing that mountain and i'm trying to search that valley to try to do good and treat and utilize the skills that i've attained
1: so even beyond the metaphor then geographically what mountains and valleys have you explored I've been to a few places now,
2: uh, multiple places now in the last two years. My first trip, really, I was in PT school to Guadalajara, Mexico, and some of the surrounding areas. My first trip as a professional was to Cali, Colombia, with a group called Spine Hope. My second trip as a professional was to Carchar, Guatemala. My third trip was to Zacapa, Guatemala. My uh, fourth trip was to, to Iquitos, Peru, and my, the trip after that was to Sheila, Guatemala, and coming up, I have another trip to Zacapa, Guatemala with a group called Hearts in Motion.
1: Stephanie, you're a student, but you've been involved, you're passionate about this. Where did that passion come from, both for physical therapy itself and then for taking these trips internationally?
0: Yeah, thank you for asking that question. I would definitely say, in relation to what Ifosa had mentioned, it is certainly deep. There are many, many parts to such a big question, and my passion is deep-seated. I think in a lot of things. In physical therapy, I think it's generally been ever since I was. Probably in junior high, I guess, or some, you know, teenage year, I have been seeking after what does it mean to serve and to heal based on my own experience growing up in, in hospitals and so forth, and really just began that journey of looking at health professions, of serving those who are in such great need and being there for them physically and emotionally, and just having that personal connection is what I have thrived off of ever since I was young. And as I continue to explore that, going to college made an incredible impact on me, both in my passion for physical therapy and in discovering how we get to provide rehabilitation to bring someone back to function, but then also this part of me that longs for serving different parts of the world, interacting with different cultures. I went to a undergraduate university called Seattle Pacific University, and our motto was to engage the culture and change the world. It became pretty big cliche, but it really means a lot, and our students really sought to live up to that. And I... just grabbed hold of that. Our professors and our staff were just so encouraging to learn what our passion was and to learn how to serve the world in that capacity without limits and without putting limits on, on where we were to go or how we were to do that. And that was instrumental in discovering who I was and in discovering a growing passion that continues to grow now to generally just serve the need of those who are injured, who are hurting, who need to be restored. And so I had the opportunity while I was going to college to go to Belize and put that into action and see if all of this that I was feeling was true, um, if I really did have a passion to go serve the poor through some aspect of medicine and healing. And it was certainly confirmed for me and i really think that my faith just further ignited my desire to serve those around me and again as ifosa said i could just uh, echo that it certainly just felt right and it is a part of me now that i feel like gives more to me than what i pour into it
1: Stephanie, when you took that trip to Belize, what did you learn about being a physical therapist? This is obviously the profession you want. This is the direction you want to go. What did you learn through the experience of being there and doing that?
0: Well, when I went to Belize, specifically at that point, I was not uh, serving in directly physical therapy. That was more general medicine. I recently went to Haiti, which was specifically for physical therapy. My experience in Belize definitely taught me incredible constraints of the ideas I had going into how service might look in a different country without supplies or without space, where people are lined up waiting to be served and have maybe, you know, even 15 minutes to figure out what's wrong with them and, okay, how can I help you? And it had an incredible experience, but was also struggling through the idea that. We are prescribing these medications to people we had evaluated and determined a specific possible infection or illness that they have and knowing that we didn't have enough medicine that would actually cure what they had. Maybe we had them like just two, three quarters of the way, but then knowing that once it was gone they didn't have access anyway to where we were in different villages to a doctor readily or to these medications, and they didn't have the money to pay for it. And that just was a big struggle for me in learning what does it mean to go and serve in these areas for shorter periods of time if this is a part of the result. And then backpacking that onto my time specifically working in physical therapy in Haiti, that was a whole new perspective in terms of working with people while educating them and that's where I was drawn even more to the type of service that we can do in physical therapy where even though I want to spend as much time with this patient as possible and this patient needs continued services even within a session or two I can provide something to them that is lasting and if they grasp what I am trying to teach them and making education that priority in the short amount of time that I have, it's something that they don't have to go seek after when they don't have access to or they don't have to realize they don't have the money because they continue to perform the exercises or the different techniques that I have invested in teaching them and realizing that even in a short amount of time I was seeing results with, with these patients in Haiti and that they were continuing to do them even after I left, and that was, that was incredible, instrumental in the affirmation of my profession of physical therapy.
1: So, so can you kind of almost expand on that and, and talk about, you know, you, you mentioned sometimes you have this limited period of time in which to, to treat somebody, but you also have this huge demand. So I imagine the impact you can make in just a few minutes is pretty extreme. How much of it is really about sort of identifying something that they can't take away from the experience? Because hands-on, maybe in 25 minutes, you can't do something yourself, but you really need to position someone to help themselves moving forward.
2: Yeah, you have to maximize that 20-25 minute, and you really try to leave nuggets that are are fair and that are reproducible. And I, I mentioned earlier about the, the postural cueing or the one main exercise, or if you do a mobilization, try to mobilize the thing that's less restricted. You know, whether it's their ribs or their spine, their spine or their hips, that with increased motion, and they're going to be able to do more. What's big down there in Guatemala or in Latin America that you sometimes don't see as prevalent in other places is when you treat somebody, not just in the service setting, but also in professional physician settings and, and rehab centers down there, which I stop by, their family is usually there with them, whether it's their mom and dad, their brothers, their cousins, uh, they're usually in the room and in the treatment room with them. So while I'm treating somebody, especially if I'm treating an older lady and their daughters there with them or their sons there with them even helping us translate, I'm not just treating and talking to that patient, I'm also talking to that family member. So that also reinforces whatever needs to be done at home. So you try to get your wins where you can, whether it's by that effective mobilization or hands-on treatment, whether it's those one or two exercises or stretches that are just going to help them, whether it's, uh, again, the posture or the cation, and definitely and certainly by pulling the family in and making it as sort of a team and interactive aspect and approach.
1: You know, I'm sure a lot of things about healthcare down there where you look at what you do in your day-to-day practice and say, man, you know, I, I wish I had more time with these patients, I wish they had more access, but that family thing, that family approach, is that something that the American healthcare system would be better, or at least physical therapy treatment if there was more of that, that almost family team involvement?
2: Yeah, and here in the States as well, just from what I've seen, not as prevalent, and and I would imagine in my setting, the outpatient orthopedic setting, not as prevalent as maybe a neuro setting or a pediatric setting, but certainly I've, the number of places I've been pretty much across the board it's just been a strong family presence, which just it means everything. It's the emotional support, but it's also the logistics, the logistics support, like I showed you. Not only am I teaching one person, one patient something, but now I'm teaching two people, that patient and their family member. So it just increases that chance for retention and that chance for success. So there's a big difference I've seen between the, the states and outside of the states. That's one of them.
1: Have you learned anything on these trips that have changed the way you practiced in the States? I
2: certainly have. I certainly have. I've I've learned things on a on a
1: few levels. In terms of
2: I've changed, so an extension how I'm treating my patients I would say change. Some things are palpable and some things are not palpable on the personal level. When something arises in the States now, whether it's in the clinic or outside the clinic, that maybe two weeks ago or two months ago or two years ago may have uh, warranted a reaction or a rise out of me or or anybody, uh, some of the common things that come up, living and all that uh, you you're able to take a look at it process it and really realize it's not that big of a deal cuz i i've seen some things down there now where these people and people in those places they have some real hard challenges and their strength through some of those real and hard challenges there's real and hard challenges here as well they just seem to have a little bit less access to things and poverty in the sense of material so you seem like they're always a little bit behind the eight ball and they have these real hard challenges and they're overcoming they're working through it and even by them showing up to one of the service sites or the mission sites, they're saying, I have a stake in how what happens to me and my health. I, I want to get better, and I'm, I'm going to go to, to this group or to these physicians or to these PTs or to these nurses coming to my village to try to make my life better. And that in itself is inspiring. On the professional aspect, the way I've been affected, is, like I said, in terms of going out there and having to assess, react, and treat within a few minutes and extend that to 20, 25 minutes, that's been a lot of professional development and enhancement and that's just improved my manual skills, so that's been great. If I'm being honest, Jason, after each trip, I fall more and more in love with physical therapy. I never want to let it go. And I think when I come back, my patients, could, they could sense the glow. They, they could see my passion, even take it another level, even though I'm already very passionate about that. I think when you have passion about what you're doing and you love what you're doing, you're going to want to do it well wherever you are.
1: This has obviously impacted both of you guys on, on a personal level. Stephanie, I mean, when you look at that Haiti trip, for example, are there patients that stand out? Are there moments that stand out from that experience? Describe some of those to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There are many, to say the least, even within a short amount of time, but I will start by describing to you a patient who... I considered almost kind of a a mother of the village and she was just so so joyful and I can just see her smile and hear her laugh even now but she very very strong-willed and she had suffered a above-the-knee amputation of her right leg from the earthquake in Haiti and she did actually have a prosthetic limb that she had been using provided by a prosthetic company that would come about every other month uh, to her remote village in Fond Parisian, and she had a pretty great prosthetic limb, actually. I was able to look at it, but she was not using it, and she really suffered from a lot of back pain and arm pain. She would still use crutches on the gravel and dirt roads. She would carry five-gallon buckets while walking on crutches, and her arms were rubbed raw and bleeding sometimes because of um, using her crutches and trying to carry things with her hands, and her back was progressively getting more and more painful to the point where she just wasn't even walking hardly at all. And I just wanted to be able to to help her to go play even with her grandkids that were just around the corner. And so we were able to work with her and show her specific exercises and stretches helping both her back and the contractures that she had developed from different walking patterns on her residual limb, the one that had uh, had an amputation. And it was because of that contracture that she was no longer able to use her prosthetic limb. And even though she had had people come to fit her for this prosthetic limb, she was not using it and she was not taught the specific ways in order to keep her muscles the appropriate length so that it could be used rightly. And even within two days, she was feeling better. Her her back was feeling better. She was willing to walk with us with her prosthetic limb on again, which she hadn't done in six months. And it was just so great to see her actually walk with her leg and smile instead of get frustrated and angry, and I just can't even express the feeling in that moment walking down this gravel road with her and hearing her say to me in Creole, which not so great at, but <laughs> working towards that, mm-hmm. that she was so excited to keep doing her exercises because she knew she would be able to use her leg again and that she wouldn't have to use her crutches, and she could let her arms heal. And that is just one of many, many stories and patients that I think about very often, even now.
1: i what so about you, is there one story that stands out?
2: Yeah, there's a story in pretty much every place I go. There's one story that stands out that sticks with me. There are two quick ones I'll actually share. My first trip in Cali, Colombia, I went down to Cali, Colombia with a group called Spine Hole and they're just a group of physicians and spinal surgeons led by a guy named Tony Ronella. They do these amazing surgeries, mainly adolescents who have severe conditions, whether spina bifida or Morquillo syndrome or scoliosis with severe angles. Anyway, one of the early days, they were holding clinic in which people from the village and children from the village came through and came through the clinic to see if they were going to be appropriate for surgery or see if surgery could be performed. In this week period, the physicians were down, and uh, people came in and out to the end of one day this lady came in with her daughter and her daughter had a lot of tone her muscles were very tight and uh, she was sort of locked in this extension position with her head and body extended back and her legs extended back and she had a very small skull and cranium and after evaluating this young girl the physicians deemed that it was not appropriate for surgery at least at this time at least at this time and uh, once the mother heard that almost right away the tears just started falling down her face one after another just chasing each other down her face and they weren't tears of anger and they certainly weren't tears of weakness there was just a sense of pain there and she had that look that I think every parent has that transcends race, gender and even time and cross the ocean she had a look of just wanting the best for her daughter, wanting the best for her daughter and after she she gathered herself uh, a little bit of her and her daughter walked out and there's another physical therapist there with me uh that works with my company. His name is Nate, Nate Whitney and uh there's a director of the program there, Beth, uh the Spine Program. We had this form of tacit communication. We just sort of looked at each other and uh and we knew we should follow her out into the hallway. And we did. We talked to her a little bit. Uh, Me and Nate worked with her daughter a little bit about positioning and posture. We talked to the mom about stretches she could do at home. And uh, wheelchair. her wheelchair was put together, the metrics and things of that nature. We gave her a hug, which I sometimes think is the best medicine. But at one point, I looked at her and I said, be strong. And it was one of the most surreal things I've ever done because she was one of the strongest people that I've ever met just from the... 15-20 15-20 minutes that I was with her she was inspiring me by the second but I just knew that that could help if I said that be strong and she smiled and we all hugged again and they walked away and I would almost bet that that few minutes that we spent with each other after the clinic and after the decision was made and I, I hope that things like the stretching and the posture and the hug are still within us. often think about her daughter and I wonder how she's doing so that's a story that sticks out another story that sticks out at what was in Guatemala not too long ago, last year, and we had different settings. When we set up in the clinics, we sometimes do it in a rehab center when we do clinic, or we may go out to a satellite village and hold clinic in which people come in to be triaged and treated by the PT or the nurse, physician, whoever it is, the eye doctor. One day, one Thursday, we were setting up in a village in a, in a town church, and a guy from town came up to another physical therapist and I, and he told us about this older lady who was in town. He goes to us, she needs help, she needs help. She needs some sort of treatment. She needs something. Would you guys mind going to her because she can't make it down to see you? And of course, we said of course. So we walked about a half mile into the village and into the town. We had to walk up a hill. We walked up a hill towards her house in which she was living with her family. And uh, it was there that we learned her story. She had had a stroke a couple of years ago, and she went to the hospital within that day or the next. Yet only after two days, they sent her home without any medical follow-up or plan or rehab, without anything. And and the effects were, were shown now. She had poor use and strength in her right arm and her right leg. She was ambulating at a very low level. She was more sedentary than she wanted to, and per the report of her and even her family. So we spent about 45 minutes with her and her family, again, working and teaching her family, doing things like posture and stretches they could do with her and even exercises they could do with her, assisted exercises where they mainly move her and try to encourage her to move as well and, uh, and some other things. And we try to help her while working, walking with her cane, which is fashioned out of a wooden stick. So it was pretty interesting. It was actually a cool moment. But what sticks with me whenever I think about it, and, uh, certainly is sticking with me now and sticking out to me now. I thought about my own grandmother who lived in Nigeria her whole life. Towards the end of her life, she also had a stroke. So I sometimes think, did she have somebody that was there with her to treat to her, to attend to her, to uh, care for her? And even as, as I was treating and hugging and loving this grandmother from Guatemala, I was treating and hugging and loving my own grandmother from Nigeria. And, and, and those are the reasons I keep on going in some aspects, and, and those are some of the things that really stick out to me, and I, and I remember till this day.
1: So, Stephanie, going along those lines, those are obviously such different stories, and it shows the difference between the American healthcare system and and so many others. But for you, what was maybe the most eye-opening experience? What things surprised you the most in taking these trips and what you encountered?
0: I think generally as, you know, I haven't had a ton of experience, but, but increasingly so. Specifically going to Haiti, I was initially just surprised by how many American volunteers there are in Haiti. On my plane ride there, it was completely full of Americans, all of them with their matching shirts of whatever organization they were with, and just like pods of of different colors, like bright green and, and red. And Initially, that was just shocking to me to see how many people were going to serve, and that that I was a part of that too and just thinking of what what does this mean and is this this seems great and is it is it the the best thing as I was about to see what a glimpse small glimpse of what is the structure like in Haiti and what is the healthcare there I think that throughout my experiences I'm continually surprised by the joy and and the love of the people, the people that I met in Belize, the people I met in Haiti. Um, I've also been to Rwanda, Africa, but not specifically for physical therapy, but I expected to help change people's lives. And I was blown away and continue to be blown away every time of how much more they change my life and how much more I receive compared to what I expect to give. I think I've learned so much about love and sacrifice more than anything. The people who I don't even speak their language or maybe a few words here and there place all of their trust in me, even as a student, a student under another physical therapist or another doctor and placing all their trust in me and listening to every word and following up on everything that we do that is awe inspiring literally and it just blows me away the gratefulness within their heart and the relationship that is so quickly instigated i don't even really know how to describe the interaction but it literally just takes a few minutes and there is a, a type of bond and relationship with the patients that I have treated in these different places that transcends anything else that I've ever done and brings me such an incredible joy. And so I really think that the most surprising thing to me has really been all the things that I have gained in, in the personal growth. There's certainly been a shocking factor of the devastation in Haiti um, especially since I went recently it was just last summer and being you know in in a couple years few years after the earthquake that there is still so much rebuilding that needs to be done and that there is still very little care there were no physical therapists in Fond and no access to rehab and just to see an incredible volume of need and to be ignited to have the chance to figure out how I can help to meet that need, that was overwhelming and continues to be so.
1: Fosa, is the main takeaway for you, you mentioned how this sort of recharges your batteries and ignites your passion, but is that the main takeaway for you when you take these trips is the power, not so much of the medicine, of physical therapy, of the technique, but of the power of just pure caring, of that, those relationships, of the hugs as much as the manual therapy? Yeah, those are definitely
2: uh, lessons that are taken each trip and they are reinforced after each trip. But now we're, I'm starting to get more and more curious, Jason and Stephanie, because the nature of these trips are about some of them about eight days or two weeks, but the nature of physical therapy is over the course of some time, whether it's a couple of weeks or a month or two, or give or take whatever the diagnosis or situation, outpatient versus newer, ortho versus neuro setting. So now I'm trying to see, and that's why a conversation like this is good, and I've talked to Stephanie and even you some, how can we take it to the next level? How can we start having even more sustainable effects so that once we're not there, they still have access to care like what we're delivering? and so on and so forth. So, And I think there's a combination of things we could do, whether it's continuing education, uh, working with the PTs down there, teaching and even learning in many respects, whether it's helping out with equipment, whether it's helping to set up some structural and architectural stations down there in the different places, whether it's doing some telehealth communication from the states to America, whatever it is, but. The, the, there is a lot of need there, and some people may look at how to get discouraged, but I'm t- going to take a swing, you know, to try to get to first, still second, and hopefully Stephanie or somebody else bats me home and bats us home and I can hit her home, and we, we just start to scratch away at the need a little bit, you know, and then that starts ripple. So not only am I feeling like I'm taking a new perspective or I'm getting recharged or my passion is being played out, I really want to start asking the question, how can we make this a more functional world? How can we set the world on fire? How can we raise the basement and the ceiling of physical therapy around the world? Because I'm really interested in treating the person across the street in Chicago, treating that person around the world in Ecuador, Peru, and places uh, in other continents and beyond. So uh, it's been two-pronged
1: for me, and uh, it's been exciting. It's a great note to go out on. a Govadia, Stephanie Irwin, thanks for going over those mountains and into those valleys. Appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. To listen to our other episode about volunteering abroad or to learn more about the benefits of physical therapy, visit MoveForwardPT.com. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at MoveForwardPT.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com slash radio.